subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operate. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but every day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy, Chuck, and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair. Guys, it's a National Spice Blend Day. What is the spice that you put on your chicken or your burgers? What I have, CJ seasoning, Cavender seasoning, and I used to use Tony Sachery's a lot. I don't have any in my cabinet right now. Those are the main three. I have a horde of of seasonings and spices, and I don't know that there's any one, but CJ's, I'm going to tell you, I'm doing chicken breast, um... And just like grilling some chicken breast, CJ's goes great on all that stuff. I, I really like it. What about you, Chuck? What is your seasoning of choice? Oh, I like all of it. I like Tony Sachery's. Tony Sachery's is good. I'll throw a little Lowry's on there. There's a big uh, seasoning cabinet, but um, yeah. that's off limits to me. <laughs> I didn't know for years that Cavender's was in Harrison until, I don't know, 15 or so years ago. That That's made... In Harrison, Arkansas. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I, I saw that as well. Well, Chuck, we got plenty of football to discuss. We had someone text in already. Daniel from Marion saying this is the best wide receiver group since the Petrino era. I don't know if it was if I'd go that far just yet, but I was impressed with some of the guys, some of the plays they made on Saturday. Oh, they can catch the ball. I mean, they can catch the ball, and when you look. Um, you know, when you look at the heights and the weights and all that stuff, I mean, this is um, you know this is a good group, and they can catch the ball, and KJ can throw it. I mean, they're not. He was nine of nine in the first quarter. I mean, he threw the ball to seven different receivers, you know, right out of the gate. And so, you know, a guy like that with that kind of accuracy and the way he was throwing Saturday, the receivers are going to look good. I thought Tesla was particularly good. Uh, and he mentioned all week talking about them getting off to a fast start, and they did exactly that on Saturday. Like early games, as an offense, we haven't been starting fast and kind of lingering around and waiting. And so, like, so I think we came out this week, big emphasis on starting fast, being urgent, making sure we know what we're doing. So I feel like as a, a whole offense, then we came out and executed the game plan. It's one thing to say that, but again, you force a quick three and out, and then you score three touchdowns in the first quarter, and he talked about kind of stepping on Western Carolina's throat early. They did exactly that. They didn't They didn't stand a chance after that first quarter. Well, yeah, game was over at that point. Three of the first four possessions you score, I mean, I don't want to say the game was over <laughs> on the second play, but I mean, you, you, you took any hope away. I mean, what, what Western Carolina needed Saturday was to get out to an early start. Maybe they jump out to a 3 nothing, 7 nothing lead and put the Razorbacks on their heels. They flipped that script that Western Carolina needed. And, Chuck, they were the, uh, the Hogs weren't dealing any hope early. They, they squashed any idea early of an upset. No, I thought they did exactly what they needed to do. I mean, they went out and, uh, you know, they scored right away. And, you know, that's that's what you've got to do. I mean, you've got to score right away. And they did that. And they never gave Western Carolina any thought that they were going to win the game. And so I, I just thought it was, you know, particularly in the first quarter. I mean, they did exactly what they wanted to do. They talked all week about how they needed to get off to a fast start. It's a point of emphasis. And they were able to do that. And so... Um, I just thought, you know, if you want to nitpick, you can find some things here and there, I guess. But um, I really thought, for the most part, they played a good game. By the time we got to the third quarter, you know, midway through the third quarter at least, you know, Arkansas is playing a lot of guys that may not play a lot, you know, when we get into the mm-hmm. meaningful ball games. And so I don't know that any numbers that were put forth in the second half are anything but skewed, just to be very frank about it. So um, I thought they played well, you know, for the first game out of the gate. I thought they played very well. Hey, we, we've all watched a lot of football, but we're not, you know, football mechanics, you know. But what, what did you guys just think of K.J. and the passing and 
compare it to last year and what you've seen in his career to the one game we saw this season. What Chuck, what did you see from, from Arkansas's quarterback and the difference with a new offensive coordinator? Well, the first thing that I noticed was his command of the field. I mean, when you talk about going, you know, seven different receivers, nine for nine in the first quarter. I mean, you've got command of the entire field. You know exactly what you want to do. You're reading the defense. You're putting the ball right where the receiver can catch it. Um, Footwork's got a lot to do with that. I thought his posture looked a little bit different maybe Mm -hmm. than it did in the past. I thought he looked fluid in his movements. But more than anything, I, I, I thought he looked like a grown man. You know, I thought he acted like a grown man in the way that, you know, he carried himself. You know, one of the things that Coach Pittman talked about after the ball game that I thought was interesting, he goes, you you know, we made a conscious effort not to run K.J. And I know people yeah. have talked about some of the rushing stats in the game. Well, K.J. only carried the ball five times. And, like, you compare that to what we saw last night, for example, when LSU played Florida State. Daniels carried the ball 15 times for LSU. And, and Travis... You know, for all his passing, carried the ball seven times last night. I think Arkansas's rushing numbers would have been bigger if K.J. run the ball more. But I also think the reality was, if you'd kept the first team in there, K.J. might have gone 40 for 45. I mean, he could have done that. Yeah. I just want, even of those five, how many of those were even called runs? I mean, sometimes play breaks down, he improvises, and K.J. ends up with the ball in his hand. You know, I guess a sack also goes down in college stats as a as a rush as well. Down as a lost yardage rushing play in college. Yeah. So I mean, it. You know, point being, as uh, I, I bet of those five, uh, maybe three were actually designed mm-hmm. called runs from Dan Enos. He had a 17 yard run. I think it was his long run, and he ended up mm-hmm. five carries, 11 yards. So there's yeah. some lost yardage plays in there too. And um, but you know, I'm sure as we move on through the season. I don't know how much more we'll see him run, frankly, against Kent State. I would imagine we'd see him run some more against BYU, and I would imagine we'd see him run a good bit down in Baton Rouge. Yeah. Uh, You know, I don't have the trained eyes of some, but what I saw was, you know, that you talk about that passing posture. Last year, he seemed to be more on a platform. He'd set the feet, and he'd look, and and, you know, I'm probably not describing as well as some others can, but he just seemed more fluid in the the footwork seemed more fluid this year. Now, I, I don't know how to put that into quarterback terms and mechanics, but he did look different in, when, when in a passing posture. Well, you know, the physical game and the mental game go together. They've done a lot of work on his physical game. Not just Dan, but uh, I don't know the name of that guru that he went and saw in the summer, but he did some work, obviously, beyond what he was doing at Arkansas. And I think that shows. But I think his ability to read defenses right now is the biggest thing. Regardless of your posture, regardless of your mechanics, the fact that of your first nine completions, it went to seven different receivers. You know, that's a guy who's got command of the whole field right there. And um, I'm going to say this. I watched a lot of football this weekend, and I know you guys did too. I didn't see a single quarterback I'd trade K.J. Jefferson for. Nope. I didn't see a single one. And based on what I saw over the weekend, this guy may be first-team all-conference. I don't think the guy at Baton Rouge is. Yeah. Well, started out 12 of 12, and then – you know, ended up 18 of 23. Coach joked after the game in his press conference, well, he's just got to do better. And of course, he was being sarcastic or facetious, but, uh, you know, pretty good day, guys, when you go, when your quarterbacks combine for 20 of 25, what did you, you go say? 80%. Where did, so, he, where did he start at? When did, it was it 12 nine? of 12. So 12 of 12. And he was joking after the game, talking about when he came over the sideline, he was like, uh, and he didn't realize how that he had, didn't throw any completion to that point and was just keeping that streak going. But yeah, he looked really good. There was a I thought Jordan Travis looked really good for Florida State last night, as did Shadur Sanders for Colorado. But, yeah, K.J. played like a, a first-teamer, and hopefully you can continue to see well, that. I can tell you one thing. He, I bet he trusts Tesla even more today. And, boy, you just throw it in his third of the field or wherever, and, guys, he's going to go find the football. Well, and, the, and that was one of the things, again, Clay was talking about was the stickiness of the hands. Luke has, even initially in that opening drive, that first catch where he just sure-handed snag it. You've got some guys that can catch the football. They only had one drop in the game. So hopefully you see that not just in game one but moving forward. 
Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's like what we said a minute ago. I mean, they got guys who can catch the ball all over the yeah. field, and the quarterback's confident in throwing it to them. So, um, you know, I was impressed with Tesla. I was also impressed with Armstrong. Um, you know, there was one play, I think, where he caught the ball over the middle. And we talk about reads that receivers must make. And, you know, he was really um, – you know, he really made a great move, and then he made a great read. And, I mean, he's just sitting down right in the middle of that zone in the center of the field, and all you got to do is hit him right in the chest, and it's a completion and a first down. And I think he's a smart receiver. I also think, guys, we saw in the game last night, and we saw in our game too, the advantage of big receivers. Yo, I watched that game last night. Florida State's receivers just went up over LSU's guys all night long. Mm-hmm. We've got guys who can do that. You know, we've got guys who can do that. When you look at Broden at six seven, and you look at Armstrong and Tesla, we got big targets out there. We got guys who can outfight people for the ball, and they've got good hands because they can catch it. And so, I, I I think Arkansas's receiving core shaping up pretty nicely. I think we've got a good team. Now, I'm not saying that just based on what happened Saturday. I've thought that a lot during camp. I think this is a good football team. Yeah. Boy, they spread the ball around. You mentioned it, nine different players. I, I like the way they report to us the numbers now because we not only get the number of catches and yards and yards after catch, but the number of targets. And you look at Armstrong, they targeted him seven times. He caught five of them. Uh, Wilson, who had the first early touchdown on the second play, three of three on his targets versus catches. And Tesla, who we've mentioned, caught three of the four targets that came his way. There weren't a lot of drop footballs either. You know, I don't really recall a play. Uh, there was one, one, one drop ball in the game. So, I mean, the, the, the sure-handedness that we have certainly complained about in the past was not something that's a narrative from this game. Even Davion Dozier, a freshman, getting on the action, which was a perfectly thrown ball from Colby Criswell. It's, I mean, he's throwing it across his body, and Davion goes up at 6-4 to, to get in. Chuck, you referenced the game last night. LSU's defensive backs a lot of times were in great position, but whether it was that Johnny Wilson kid that's like 6-7 or the Jaheim Bell, the South Carolina transfer, the Michigan State guy, I mean, they were just making plays. And if you can, again, see Tesla and Armstrong doing it against SEC cornerbacks, KJ's just going to trust him in those situations like he did I'm on sure Saturday. I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. Now, you know, it's not as simple as just throwing it up there and letting the tall guy catch it, but – that is certainly an advantage. It was an advantage last night for Florida State, and I think it'll be an advantage for Arkansas. I thought it was Saturday. Now, obviously, the competition level and the, the heights and the weights of the other guys aren't what they're going to be. But I thought I thought their physicalness, their presence, um, just the big targets, I think all that stuff plays into the quarterback's hands, who's a pretty big guy himself. Talking about weapons and things that you feel really good about moving forward. We don't talk a lot about punters, but I thought Max Fletcher in this game, he dropped two inside the 20. He averaged just under 50 yards a punt on his five punting uh, efforts on Saturday. Chuck, this guy's going to be a weapon, it appears, for the Razorbacks. I thought all the special teams were good. I thought Fletcher was good. I thought the return game was good. I think this is the best special teams Arkansas's had since Pittman's been here. Um, and I'm not just talking about the punter and the kicker. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about the return game. I think you've got an opportunity to, to have a real punt return game. I think you've got an opportunity to have a real kick return game. Um, teams from time to time won't try to kick it out of the end zone. And I think when that happens, I think Arkansas has got a chance. They've got better players playing on special teams now. That's what depth does. Uh, You know, you've got players that are in the rotation that are playing on a couple, maybe three special teams. So you've got good players out there. And, yeah, I think Fletcher's going to be a weapon. Um, You know, there was not an instance Saturday where you felt like, man, we need to flip the field right here. Um, But there will be. You know, there will be. Mm -hmm. And he'll have instances where there's a lot more pressure on him than any of the situations he found himself in Saturday. So, you know, um, 
I think he looks good, and I think there's a lot of promise there, and he's got to maintain that consistency now. You think about just where you started versus there. They started on their average of 25 on their drives. Arkansas average starting on their 36. I mean, that's 11-yard difference. It just makes – it's really hard to go 75 yards to score touchdowns. And Arkansas, again, scored on their first three drives, five for five in the red zone. And then you mentioned, again, Isaiah Satanian, the presence. This was coach after the game on how he was dangerous both in the punt and kick return game. We got a returner now. I mean, he's dangerous. You know, we did have the one block in the back. But when he gets the ball in his hand, he's he's dangerous now. SEC kicker's going to kick it out of the back of the end zone most of the time, you know. But punting-wise, he's dangerous. And, and the more confidence he gets, the better off the blockers for him are going to become as well. Hey, I want to go back to field position there and the importance of that. Arkansas scored five touchdowns in the first half. Four of those drives started in plus territory. So they were dealing with a short field, a lot, uh, you know, uh, quite a bit of the time. Mm-hmm. And now that's not going to happen every game. But, you know, they, they won the battle of field position early on. I thought, w- w- you know, there were a couple of key developments early. You know, we focus on the offense. I thought the two, three and outs were huge early on. That enabled you to start those drives in plus territory. And that's part of the reason that they were able to take control of the ball game so quickly. They didn't let them get a first down. You know, they didn't let them get into a spot where they could punt them back inside the 20. And that's that's how you go about winning a football game right there. Um, lots of times... You hold that other side to three and out on the first possession. That's a sign of things to come. Well, when they did turn the ball over, which they did five times, you scored 28 points off turnovers Saturday. So, again, you took advantage of their mistakes, and hopefully it was a 21. 21. Okay, 21 points off turnovers. So you took advantage of their mistakes, and hopefully, again, when teams cough up the football against you later this season, you'll do exactly what you did on Saturday. No, that's exactly Well, you hope so, yeah. That's exactly right. Now, I was just looking here. You mentioned the three and outs, and Arkansas forced three punts, and that, that first um, turnover, that interception, it was just three plays into their drive as well. So I know it's not a, a typical three and out, but the, the fourth drive was three plays before the turnover. So Well, um, by the time Western Carolina got their feet underneath them offensively, the game was over. Mm-hmm. Here's 21 to nothing. By the time they got their feet underneath them, I mean, there was no ball game to win for them at that point. So, I mean, what about it, that guy taking a timeout with one second left to kick a field well, goal? What'd you think about that? Fans, uh, they booed. I mean, they weren't happy about that. I, I don't. I don't have a problem with it. I mean, you're, you're getting beat fifty-six to ten at that point. You want to, you want to walk away with something positive. I, I mean, I thought it was silly. I, 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 I understand silly. why he did it. You know. Yeah. But I mean, it wasn't. It obviously, wasn't going to change the outcome of anything. But. Uh, it, What's uh, the difference between 56 to 10 to 56 to 13? If one positive play at the end, they can build something off. That's the way, that's the way a coach thinks. You got an All-American kicker, man. You know what you have in him. I, I, I'm with Chuck. That, you said silly. That was stupid. It was a waste of time. When you're behind 56 to 10, the day's not about you anymore. Yeah. Was... You know, it's just not. The day's not about you anymore. Take your, take your medicine. Go to the house. And cash your check. <laughs> it's like when a coach calls a timeout in basketball at the end of the game when you're down like 15, and to try like diagram one last play or something. It's just it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time for their own fans too to have to sit through that. Oh, I get it. I mean, you know, I wasn't a, I wasn't a fan of it, but I understand the the reasoning. I why. think that's a coach who thinks, and I say there's not just about this situation, but lots of situations. I mean. Uh, I understand why they do it, but I think sometimes it's coaches thinking a little too highly of themselves. You know, if you call a timeout with, you know, five seconds left and you're down by 15 or 10 seconds left because you want to diagram a play, I promise you, that's not going to be the deciding factor in the outcome of your next big game. It's just not. And the fact that they kicked a field goal to make it 56-13, to that's not going to have anything to do with what they do against Samford next week. Samford, by the way, is a very good FCS team. Western Carolina is going to have their hands full. Yeah. All right, so let's jump away from the Arkansas football game for 
a sec and kind of dive into some of the college football games this weekend, starting last night. It was a great game between LSU and Florida State, at least for a half, and then Jordan Travis and company really took over in the second half. Guys, my hot take this morning is Florida State's a college football playoff team. I think I trust them more than Clemson to get to that point in the season. Mike Norvell's done a really good job in Tallahassee to this point. That looked like a SEC team that we saw last night with the speed and the strength that Florida State played all over the field. I'm not sold on them as a playoff team yet, but I think they're really good. Um, I thought they exposed a lot in LSU last night. Now, you know, LSU, they lost this game last year and still had a good season. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they're not going to the college football playoff. I mean, if that was their goal, that's dashed because they're not going to run the table in the SEC. I'm not, based on what I saw last night, I don't, these people that picked them to win the West, I don't know what they were thinking. Because what in the world were you thinking? Full disclosure. Um, well, you know, every, you, I, I, hang on. Back the tape up, and I bet a year ago we were saying the same thing. Maybe so. Maybe they, so. You know, now, they lost by one point last year. They, yeah. got, they got it handed to them. But I think Florida State's a lot better. But, I mean... They may still end up being the Western. I'd like a, a mulligan maybe on that that prediction Dan, at Dan. this point. But I mean, last year we were probably saying the same well, thing coming out of that game. And what, where did they end up playing? Guys, Jaden Daniels made two decisions in the first half that changed the entire course of that game. I mean, you got to put the you got to put the football in the running back's belly, which is what they. You know, he made the wrong read on both those fourth down plays, and it cost him. They were running up and down. The, they had 293 yards of total offense in the first half. And they've got a three-point lead. And Florida State made adjustments. I mean, they ran it down their throat in the second half. You know, Florida State did something offensively last night that I think we're going to see Arkansas do more this year than maybe we might imagine. And that's used the pass to set up the run. You know, we've all been raised to think, well, you set up the pass with a run. You run the ball, throw off play action, bang, unless you're running the spread. Even then, you know, you do a lot of running the football. You know, Florida State had 39 rushing yards in the first half last night. They barely averaged three yards a carry. But they were throwing the football all over the field. They softened LSU up. And then in the second half, they just ran counter play after counter play rammed it right down their throats. And that set everything up for Travis. But in the first half, you know, they didn't run the ball real well, just like Arkansas didn't. But they threw the ball. And as the game wore on, by the end of it, LSU was done. I mean, they were just flat out done. They couldn't defend the pass early, you know. And and I just thought that Florida State was really smart in the way they played. And I think Arkansas will play that way offensively more than people might imagine, even though they do have rockets. You mentioned defending the pass. If it's going to be an Achilles heel for LSU, it's that secondary. They lost a lot from last year. They got Greg Brooks back, but a lot of new guys on that secondary unit. The speed of Daniels, though, got my attention. That's something Arkansas will have to deal with in a few weeks. Yeah, but his lack of decision-making hurt them more than his speed helped him. With the busy fall season already in swing, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You can save time, eat well, and stay on track with a healthy lifestyle. We are offering a special deal for you. If you head to factormeals.com slash HTL50 and use code HTL50, you can get 50% off. This September, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your options and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals that can be ready in just two minutes. No prep and no mess. Try Factor and you'll still be able to get the flavor and nutritional quality you want and need. Remember, go to factormeals.com slash HTL50 and use code HTL50 to get 50% off. That's code HTL50 at factormeals.com slash HTL50. Call or text the McClarty Daniel hotline at 877-377-6963. McClarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. 
When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community, in our schools, in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. So JW gets at us this morning. He appreciates us being here for Labor Day. Well, JW, we didn't want to skip off today because, again, we had a game this weekend, so we want to make sure we gave you all content right here on ESPN Arkansas and hit that line.com. Let's go to Nelson, who's in Harrison this morning. Nelson's got some thoughts on the game. Nelson, welcome Hey, guys. First of all, I just want to say that, you know, I watched the game with my buddy Kevin Cowan at KCI Partners, and the thing of it is, guys, is we come out, KJ was crisp. He wasn't looking like he was ready to run. He looked like he was wanting to pass, and he passed it to, you know, he spread the wealth there, and that impressed me. And then I was impressed with our defensive backs. If the ball got around them, they caught it at our safeties. You know, we're talking about the the uh, wide receivers catch the ball. It looks like our secondary, if, they get, if the ball gets around them, they're catching it. And that's that's a great thing, <laughs> you know. Five five turnovers. I would have never thought that in this game. And then last but not least, the crowd at Little Rock for the time change and the heat. I thought it was a really great deal. I mean, not really a proponent of Little Rock, but the crowd showed up. Thank. Well, that was the smallest crowd in the SEC, and that's not good. But the people that were there were into it, and they were there because they wanted to be there, and I'll give them credit for that. I think people came probably from um, you know, many parts in the state, and they were there because they wanted to be there. But 44,000 is not enough for an SEC football team. It's and, just not. And Coach talked about how hot it was, particularly on the field. I mean, yeah. it, it got toasty in that second half, and – Coach was even saying uh, how how warm it was just for him on the sideline in his postgame. Well, was he joking? He's like, I didn't have a fan next to me, like so. He's yeah. he's giving him a hard time about. Yeah, that. they were asking. I didn't. And I didn't notice it, but I guess there's some new cooling fans or something for the players. He said, blow some air up their backside. backside. I don't think that's exactly how he meant to phrase it, but uh, that's what he was talking well, about. He was a factor. And we all needed a I fan mean, on Saturday. Yeah. I would imagine more people left Saturday, or many left as much because of the heat as they did because of the score of the game. Exactly. I mean, if it had been a comfortable game, they would have probably stayed at least till midway through the fourth quarter. But, I mean, people were spilling out of there, and it was because it was hot, and I guess they ran out of water, too, from what I hear. I'm not sure. But I guess that there were a lot of people that, you know, they, they, they left because they were scorching. And they, a lot of them cleared out at halftime. Yeah. Now, Nelson. Noon, noon kickoff. There's no shade in that stadium anyway, nope. hardly. But, uh, yeah, there was no refuge other than the concourse. Now, Nelson made a point about the defensive backs. Again, you had four different guys get an interception, three of them being defensive backs Hudson Clark, uh, Newton McLaughlin, and then also Jaden Johnson, who we've talked about at, at points this season. Uh, that's impact again of Marcus Woodson and Travis Williams, and hopefully you'll see some get more plays this year because they didn't drop any. That was the thing last year. You had chances in the Mississippi State game last year. You dropped three picks against Will Rogers. Hopefully they make the same plays they did on Saturday from that standpoint. Well, you know, we talked last week about how there were going to be opportunities to pick off passes. I mean, this team turned it over 31 times last year. They had 30 touchdown passes. Everybody talked about that was the most in school history. Well, they threw 20 interceptions, too. And, um, you know, they played 11 games. So that's not quite two a game. And they averaged, you know, right at three turnovers a ball game. So... 
I think Arkansas knew there were going to be chances to pick passes off. And you're right. I mean, they were able to catch him. And um, that's a good side, too. Let's go to Ricky, who's all the way in Seattle, Washington. He's originally from Arkadelphia. Ricky, I know you're at the game on Saturday. What do you think? Man, I thought it was incredible, Ty. Um, I definitely thought that there were more than 45,000 people, especially uh, going to live events in Seattle, Washington. That traffic was worse than going to a Seattle Seahawks game. <laughs> Let me just be honest with you. At 12th man, uh, uh, that's a bucket list event for me. I'd like to go see a game out there at some point. Um, but I'm glad you made it back home and uh, glad you enjoyed your time on Saturday. Ricky? I did. I did. And it was it was definitely overdue. Um, and, and I'm excited that I was able to get, you know, on, on the phone with you and Ty and, and, and Chuck. And, and I mean, you and, and Tommy and Chuck, uh, because, I'm, I, you know, I've been a listener for, you know, with, uh, of the show for years now. And uh, being two hours behind everything up there, it's kind of hard to call in and, and, and catch you guys at the right time. But uh, uh, definitely a blessing. It was my second Razorback game, and I can't wait to, you know, get back to see another. Yeah, it's 530 where you're at, so uh, you, we appreciate you getting up early for us today. Well, and he was in favor of our Little Rock Saturday, too, so yeah. give him credit. Yeah. De- dedicated listener. And I want to go to that fish market area in Seattle at some mm-hmm. point. Where they throw uh, them? Yeah, yeah. That, that, that is it. I've been there. It's Have cool. you? Is it's it pretty cool. cool? Yeah, I've been there. Okay. It's nice. I'd like to go you see that at some point. You talk about the, the freshness and everything out there. That's definitely Think a, you could catch one? No, it slipped. <laughs> I, I wouldn't catch it like Tesla and Armstrong did on Saturday. It would definitely uh, it would definitely slip through my fingers at that point. But it is, again, a bucket list idea. So he was talking about, again, more and more, over 44,000 sold, which Chuck said, again, lowest in the SEC. It's never a game in War Memorial Stadium without some malfunctions. The ref mic didn't work. Apparently they ran out of water bottles or whatever. But I guess that's just what we're used to at this point. Again, two years left on the contract. We'll see if it goes past that. But I will say, I, I thought it was kind of loud from the opening jump. Chuck, you were there. I mean, I thought, it, at least from the standpoint, I thought it was pretty loud on Saturday. I thought everybody that was there really wanted to be there, and they made their presence felt. They got hot and they left. You know, I mean, it's not like you're trying to get to dinner after a noon kickoff. I mean, it's, you know, you leave because it's hot. But I thought they were, I thought they were into it the first half. I thought they responded, and it was a good crowd. I'm not knocking the people that were there at all. I just think for an SEC team, you need more. You know, you need forty. You need more than forty-four people or forty-four thousand people there. My, my guess is, and this is just a, my you know experience and intuition tells me we'll have sixty some odd thousand Saturday against Kent State. It's a three o'clock What's game. It's going to be hot. Do you see the? Uh, it's going to cool down a little bit. Then it's it's going to be in the nineties, okay. but it's not going to be. Um, it's not going to be as uncomfortable as last week. But it's still going to be in the middle of the day and. I'm going to guess there will be 65-ish thousand, and it'll be I think more it'll than be mid to high 60s. Yeah. Mid to high 60s Saturday, and then over 70 for BYU. Yeah. 90 degrees, at t- or 89 degrees at tickoff. That's not horrible. Yeah. Well, it, be, was, it was, what, 80, 82 on Saturday, but it yeah. got warmer. There was cloud cover early, right, Chuck? And then the clouds moved right, off. Well, and, right um, about the time they kicked off, right. the sun came out. sun came out, and it got, I mean... When you look at the box score and you see 82, it was a nice day for for the season opener. Well, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't tell the whole story. No. Warmed up very quickly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, and we, we, we've said it a little bit this morning, Coach touched on this in, in the post-game press conference. K.J. Jefferson only ran the ball five times in this football game because it wasn't a priority. It wasn't really part of the game plan. This was him after the game when he got asked about that. We're not asking him at this point to run the ball as much. We didn't want to run him today much, to be perfectly honest with you. We weren't going to advertise that, you know, but we wanted to see if we had the receivers what we thought we did and things of that nature. And you know, I thought they just decided they were going to work on that passing game. You know, that's what they were going to work on at the start of the football game. I think they knew that they would be able to throw at will. And I think they knew that's what would allow them to get an early lead and take control of the ball game. And I just, um, you know, I think that was just a big, big part of what they do. And, you know, we talk about not showing the other team as much, you know, early in ball games. I've heard you talk about that, tie. You know, Arkansas's pass plays were pretty basic. It wasn't like there was any, like, you know, it, it, it wasn't as though they were – all they really did was showcase the fact they had a lot of receivers. The part of Arkansas's game that they kept under wraps was KJ. 
You know, if you really look at it, the part of the game they kept under wraps was K.J. running the football. There's no reason to expose him. There was no reason to expose him as a runner Saturday. There may not be this week. But as the games get tougher, there will be reason to expose him as a runner. You have to. Yeah. And I think that's the part when you look at, you know, what you what'd you not show him? Well, I think that's the part they didn't show him. Also, listen to Coach Kerwin Bell's postgame conversation, and he got asked about it since selling out against the run. He also, as an offensive coordinator and as a play caller, your audibles and changes are dictated by what the opponent's doing. They loaded the box, they stuffed a lot of people in there, and he threw the ball around. They dared you to throw early. Yeah, that's for sure. and you actually well, you look at. I mean, look at the rushing averages. I took a few notes on this. Um, AJ averaged five yards a carry. So did Augustive. So did Dominion. Dominique averaged four point seven a carry. KJ averaged two point two. Rocket averaged two point eight. You know, when those guys, particularly when Rocket was in there, I mean, they sold out. And you know, as Pittman talked about, um, you know, in the running game, part of the problem was the fact that the safeties were creeping up, and he said that may be why we had three touchdown mm-hmm. passes yeah. early on, which is exactly right. And and when they creep up, you throw over, uh-huh. and Arkansas was able to do that. Got our hog update coming up. You guys were talking about the, the Kent State game this Saturday. You got some cheap tickets flowing around right now. So if you yeah. want to go, maybe a last-week decision or a last-second decision, they're 15 bucks. Yeah, I saw I the universities know. putting those on sale for $15, so... Uh, making it affordable to to go to the game and bring a family. We talk about that all the time, the the cost of bringing a family of four, a little more affordable this week. You know, it's interesting. I mean, we um, more and more every year we move college football fans move toward that demand that you got to play good games every week or we're not going. You know, um, we see it here. Other people see it. Other schools see it at other places. I'm not saying it ought to be like that. But I think with every year that passes, and I think it's going to only be magnified with realignment next year, the demand for a great game every week is always going to be there. The Year of the Sauce continues at Buffalo Wild Wings. Introducing Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and the return of hot barbecue sauce to the Buffalo Wild Wings Sauce lineup. Try both Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and Hot Barbecue Sauce for a limited time at your local Buffalo Wild Wings. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings in Little Rock, Sherwood, Bryant, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, sauce, beer, and football. It's Christmas in July. Give your family the gift of true comfort this summer with an HVAC system replacement from Pascal. No packages to unwrap, no batteries to buy, and no assembly required. Financing is available for as low as $99 a month and no money down with up to $2,000 in tax credits and savings. Don't wait for December. Get your holiday savings now. Schedule your free estimate today. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. No, we've had questions this morning asking what Brady Latham's status is. Coach touched on that on Saturday, said he thinks that he's going to be probably ready for practice on Monday. We're going to get a chance to talk with Coach Pittman later on at 12 o'clock today. That's definitely going to be one of the questions that he addresses, amongst other things. Well, you want the run game to look better? I think you need your best offensive lineman out there to do it. We'll see uh, if there is an update today, but hopefully he is ready to go because they, they'd like to get that offensive line, I'm sure, gelled and in the configuration they want for a couple of weeks from now when conference play begins. Sounds like he'll play. I mean, if Pittman's saying that he thinks he'll practice on Monday, um, you know, at the very least, he's going to be out there this time, during, you know, some during this week. So I would imagine he would play. Because he didn't even travel to Little Rock, right? No, he wasn't even no. there. So, I mean. No, he wasn't on the travel. I mean, you, you assume he was back getting treatment or whatever, but he didn't, he didn't go through the rigors of the trip. So uh, this week, uh, at a minimum, he'd be with the team on the side. Yeah. There's no reason to take him in a situation like that. And, um, you know, I would think he would be on the field this week. Yeah. And I think that'll make a difference because you put him back at his spot, you move Braun back over to his spot. And I would think that there would be some better chemistry on the offensive line. But let's think about what happened Saturday. You had guys at tackle, both of them, 
making their first starts. You know, you had a guy starting a right guard that was a spot starter at best last year. He played, he started when guys were hurt. Um, I think he started in the Liberty Bowl. I'm not sure if he started in any others. And, you know, then you had a guy that was playing a position. Now, he played both guard spots. Braun did at Florida. So that wasn't a total shock for him. But the reality is, I mean, you were down there. And the idea that you're going to have two freshman tackles and a guard starting in place of another guy, the idea that you're just going to come out there and, you know, open gaping holes, I think, is a little bit far-fetched. It's going to be a work in progress. I do think as they unleash KJ in the running game, though, I do think the rushing totals are going to go up. And when they have to respect KJ as a runner, I do think we're going to see more rushing yards come from other guys. Yeah, When you look at uh, who started, Crawford, Limber, Chambly, Kutas, and Brown, but then I'm just looking through the participation report, you still saw Devin Manuel play, Andrew Wiggins was on the field, Josh Street, uh, Marion Harris were, uh, were all on the participation report. So Arkansas got, got the rotation of offensive linemen out there. Well, they got the people on the field they wanted to play, mm-hmm. people that could play. Arkansas uh, football got some good news when uh, 25 running back uh, Jamarian Parker committed to the Arkansas football team. Four-star running back from St. Louis. Guy that offers to Colorado, Michigan, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, A&M, and Tennessee. But they add to the 25 class in terms of commitments this weekend. Ronnie Wingo is a pretty good running back from St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Yep. I like the fact that they're signing guys from that area. Uh, that's been the one part of Missouri where you could go out and really get some players, and we've gotten some from there over the years, and I'm, 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 I'm glad to see they signed a good player out of that area. Yeah. Uh- other football news. We, we mentioned this earlier. Keon Stewart was arrested on Friday by the Arkansas State Police. Uh, now, again, as one that sped before and pulled over, I don't I mean to, the pot calling the kettle black here, but 56 miles per hour over. 126 miles per hour. <laughs> yeah. Pretty serious. Deal. Over the limit. He was booked uh, around 10 o'clock at the Washington County Detention Center released later that day. Don't know what his status is, but I bet Coach Pittman gets asked about if he'll play Saturday or is not. I'll tell you what, you know it's a bad day when those buses are pulling away and you're in jail. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bad day. Yeah. Has Kirby called him yet? I mean, is, is, is Georgia looking at him now? Is No, no, no word on that. Okay. Maybe so. Hey, these guys all have fast cars to drive now. <laughs> um, well, they're, some not, of that, they're not driving hand-me-downs anymore. Uh, some of that uh, NIL money is going to go to pay that court cost and that fine. We shouldn't laugh yeah. at it, but I mean, just, it's been a story of college football because of Georgia all summer. I really do think it's the fact that these guys all have good cars hey. now. $385 bonds. So Hard not, to go that fast on a moped. And that's what a lot of them for years would ride around campus is their, is their scooters. I remember when I got arrested and I had to pay that $900 bond and I just wanted to just absolutely shiv myself for that. And then I had to pay Bill Greenhaw, the lawyer fee, and then I had to pay the the state. I mean, just the fees they tack on is just absurd. It points taxes. Are I you guess. still paying on it? No, I paid it. I paid it off. Okay. But I just, I do. When I saw the bond word, I was like, oh, I paid a bond before. Uh, Arkansas volleyball swept Michigan in volleyball at the Whoopig Invitational this weekend, and then the soccer team dropped their first game of the season in a top ten ranked matchup in Chapel Hill. They lost to the Tar Heels three to one this yeah. Sunday. I, I think I read that North Carolina was ranked fourth. I, I was mm-hmm. kind of yep. read the fr- front end of that story. They're so, a traditional power, right? Yeah. And, and they I really be- are. didn't they yeah. play uh, in a postseason game? I think so. two or three years ago. I mean, I'm, I, I lose track. I think of they that. played them before. I, I think they played them before. Yeah. That sounds right. They, uh, I, I, I do remember. So when we made the trip to Chapel Hill this past summer, really cool lacrosse facility, and they had a good soccer field as well. And like Chuck just said, traditional power. So Tar Heels got, of course, they're known for basketball, Michael Jordan, and on, but they've got some other good sports out there in Chapel Hill as well. That is going to do it for your hog update this morning, and it's brought to you by our friends at Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey call 888-8-SPARKY. All right, this is the final football game tonight of this weekend when Clemson travels into Durham, North Carolina to take on the Duke Blue Devils. This week, NFL starts back. Thursday night, you'll have the home opener for the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Detroit Lions. 
Dallas Cowboys play Sunday night against the Giants, and we'll see some other good matches. Monday night football is awesome. Mm-hmm. We got the New York Jets against the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers. Any interest in watching well, the Duke? Yeah, is it okay game? to root for Duke tonight? We never root for Duke in much of anything. Is is it okay to root pull for, for the Blue Devils? Yeah. They're the underdog in football. Yeah, I'll probably root for Duke tonight. I think that uh, I think Mike Elko is their head coach now, if I remember that right. So I would again, I'll, I'll I don't think they're going to get the upset tonight, but I would I, I think it's okay to root for Duke in football. Definitely not basketball, but football it's okay. Yeah. So uh, that'll that'll. Be I wouldn't fun. expect Duke to win it. No. no, I guess we'll no. see. So no. no, it with, oh, with by the way, is, how's your dad doing? How's your dad doing? Baylor Brad. How's Baylor Brad doing after what happened with Baylor this weekend? Oh, Texas State. Oh, yeah, I, haven't, State, I haven't I haven't texted him. They get Utah at home this week. I, I was like, do you know something? I don't know. Well, yeah, I know Baylor uh, got beat by Texas I didn't, State. Hey, what about Baylor losing? And um, who was the other? Texas Tech, Tech, Tech lost I mean, in yeah. Wyoming. Texas Tech lost to Wyoming. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, so. and I looked, I went to, because first thing, isn't that where Malik Hornsby's at? I went and yeah. looked at the box score, but it was not him. Yeah. that he wasn't lost him it. that led them to that victory. Finley. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Auburn T.J. Finley, former L.A. LSU and Auburn quarterback. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he they named him the starter a couple of days before the game over Malik. Yeah, a big game. I uh, I did not text him specifically. If you think I take Arkansas football losses bad, my, uh, he's less pain it pained as he used to be. But he takes Baylor football losses hard. I mean, so I did not text him this week. I have one like that to open your year. I mean, just runs. I mean, the yeah. rest of your fall is is. Just ruined at this point. Well, we'll 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 be in Arrowhead on Thursday night. He hasn't been to Arrowhead in years, so hopefully he'll be in a better mood than he was on Saturday this week. But yeah, Baylor, there's some. Uh, he's not paying. He's, he's not, not paying. paying. He's not. So paying. that ought to put him in a good yeah. mood. Yeah, that's so, one of the first times he's probably ever been to a big event with you where you bought. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, it I, hadn't happened yet. I will we'll say see. I have been. Well, okay, yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. You better check receipts. I'm buying tickets tomorrow. By the way, I've been <laughs> hemorrhaging money lately, so I'm going to need an advance on my salary. No problem. Just to, to cover rates the, are the crazy. Right You're now. going to see your dad, man. It's the same thing. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to need again an advance on uh, on the salary aspect uh, of this. Hey, I know it's your birthday, and I invited you to the game, but man, you got any cash? <laughs> What a loving, what a loving tribute. Yeah. Loving son, man. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa has everything you want for your next getaway. With the luxury and hospitality of a grand old southern hotel, the accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit our thermal water bathhouse for mineral water baths and massages or enjoy one of our many dining options, like our Friday night seafood buffet, primetime in a fountain room every Saturday night, or our award-winning Sunday brunch. Located in downtown Hot Springs, the Arlington is steps away from shopping, entertainment, bathhouse row, and the hiking and biking trails of the National Park. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more info. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Talk about all the things going on Labor Day. I saw a picture, guys, from... Lake Hamilton, someone in a boat, and it, you know, they do these vinyl wraps on everything. This had a big Razorback down the side of the boat. It looked sweet. It said Woo Pig Suey. Wasn't Coach's boat, but I bet if Coach sees that thing, he, uh, he honks out on the lake. That's a good looking ride on the water. I saw a picture of uh, this morning. 
he's going to get one of uh, like you said he's going to get one of those. I bet he I bet would, Hamilton is crowded today. What do you bet? I bet you he'd much rather be out at Lake Hamilton than talking with the media at twelve o'clock today. But it's football season. Uh, no time for Lake for a couple yep. weeks. It's the uh, it's the Monday routine. Yep, it's part of it. Again, we'll hear from him today, and we'll hear from him on Wednesday as well. We heard from him following the game, and again, it wasn't a, fall, a flawless, perfect game. Here's what he said about some of the improvements that they're going to make in just the overall win. Got some things to clean up with penalties. A run game was not what we wanted to be, but let's don't make a mountain out of molehill. The passing game was what we wanted to be. The protections were what we wanted to be. So we've got a lot of work to do, but I'm proud of the team, and I'll take a 56 to 17 anytime somebody wants to give it to us. So again, he, he said that right there, not making a mountain out of a molehill. I know that he would much rather have slightly more than 100 yards rushing the football and, and get Rockets numbers up a little bit than slightly more more than 40 yards. But passing-wise, I mean, I'm not going to say they were 100% flawless, but KJ looked about as good as he's had in a Razorback uniform. You saw Isaac Tesla's impact. You saw Andrew Armstrong's impact. You saw Luke has right off the jump. You saw some explosion from Isaiah Satania. So, again, there's things to improve on, but I think you take what you saw on Saturday twice every day from here on out. It was a good performance. I mean, nothing's going to be perfect on opening Saturday. Wasn't perfect for anybody that I watched anyway. I will say this. I said this in the first hour. I didn't see a quarterback in America I'd trade K.J. Jefferson for. Not a single one. And I know Jordan Travis was really good last night. But I wouldn't trade KJ for him. And, you know, when you look at this football team right now, that's what gives them a chance. People talk about, well, they didn't run the ball well enough. You know why? Because they didn't have to. I mean, he threw three touchdown passes. All that matters is that you get the ball into the end zone. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter if you run it, throw it, whatever. Just get it there. Yeah. And um, they'll be fine in the running game, I think. Uh, I do think it's going to be a work in progress. I'm not trying to minimize it and say it's not important because it is important. But I think they'll progress as we go. And when you can do what they can do in the passing game, I guarantee you it's going to open up that running game as we move forward. They're in a quarterback in America that could have stood in the pocket and the way that defender early came in and just ran into KJ. And, I mean, it was literally like Wiley Coyote. He hit the brick wall. <laughs> like in the cartoon, and KJ didn't budge. I don't know of another quarterback in the country that could have made that play and been unfazed, more or less, Chuck. We've seen guys bounce off him. I mean, it's been remarkable how many players we've seen bounce off of him. And um, now, obviously, an SEC guy is going to be a little bit bigger than that guy was. And, uh, you know, somebody screwed up, and he was, uh, you know, he was a sitting duck right there. By the way, not to change the subject, but. Do you guys think LSU's made a mistake moving Harold Perkins inside? He was not a factor in that game last night. When you think about, like when I think about a quarterback being exposed for Arkansas, I think about Perkins. You know, last year in that game in Fayetteville, he was not a factor in that game last night. They're they're, they're trying to do with him the same thing Arkansas did with Drew Sanders. Yeah. Moving from the edge. But I just think Perkins is so talented as an edge rusher. I, I don't think he was, I mean, five tackles last night. He was not an impact player. He's got to have the freedom to roam. That That's his strength. It tells me they don't have anyone else to put inside, so you put your best guy there. Maybe that's the case, but man, Perkins is too good a talent. He needs to be free to, to move where he needs to be, disguise coverage at the line of scrimmage. I, I'm with you. I, th- I think they'll make a change there. So we're making too much. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Now, they did have him on the edge, some on third down. They did, I noticed, have him on the edge, some on third down, but he's, he's playing in the middle most of the time on first and second down. I know he's learning a new spot, and he may be great there. I mean, it may prove to be a great move, but you can tell he's not there yet. I'm curious, and I I haven't looked at Alabama's roster, but if they're going to do the same thing with Dallas Turner, I didn't get a chance to watch much of that game, but he was, again, mostly on the outside, like Will Anderson was last year, what they do with him, who's a little bit smaller at that point. But on the subject of LSU, one of my hot takes this morning is I I still think they're going to win the West. We saw last year, they had the same issues as they did last year. Special teams mistakes, turnovers, and not capitalizing on that. Chuck, you mentioned, again, almost 300 yards of total offense in the first half. You're by three points. I mean, they Florida State, give them credit, they stoned them a couple times near the goal line. But, I mean, LSU did not capitalize on some of Florida State's mistakes in that first half last night. Watch Arkansas's game. 
Watch LSU's game. I know the competition level is different, but look at the decision-making, particularly off the zone read. Daniels made two decisions last night that I think, I'm not going to go so far as to say it cost him the game, but they'd have been up by 10, 14 points at halftime if he'd made the right reads. Both times on fourth down, he made the wrong read, and that's why they didn't make it. And uh, that's why I say I wouldn't trade KJ for anybody. Certainly wouldn't in the SEC. I'm not going to, you know, I can't predict the future. But I will say this. That LSU team last night will not win the Western Division. That LSU team last night, hey, let's go play in three weeks. Yeah. Let's go get after it. And I'll take my chances. I'm not saying they won't get better. But the manner in which they lost last year's game to Florida State and the manner in which they lost this year's game to Florida State is different. They didn't get dominated on the lines of scrimmage last year the way they did last night. We can talk about the tall receivers, and we have. We can talk about LSU's secondary, and we can. But Florida State whipped them on the lines of scrimmage last night. Yeah. And uh, that was the difference. And, and, and um, that didn't look like an SEC West contender to me. So after watching Arkansas and after watching the game last night, does, does your attitude or your feeling towards the game on September 23rd. Is that, how much has that shifted for you? You feel better. I mean, I, I already thought Arkansas was going to go into Death Valley and win that game. Uh, I feel better. And one concern I have is now this game might get shifted at night because I don't think CBS is going to pick the Arkansas LSU game after them losing game one. And I think that's a disadvantage to Arkansas. But another thing we have to bring up, they didn't have Mason Smith last night. He was, again, suspended for game one. They're going to be better on the defensive line than, than we saw last night with one of their better players being out. So we got to fact that in when they're losing what they lost one of their best players when you come to the line of scrimmage like no you're talking about no doubt that 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 certainly affected things but um I just thought LSU missed an opportunity in the first half to put the game away well as far as the SEC goes Tommy you made the point earlier and you're right they didn't have a like a great showing this I mean you're, well, you're the east your marquee team lost floor or South Carolina got dominated in that second half I mean Drake May and company ripped them up yeah, they really did in the second half it was a good win for Mac Brown and North Carolina Drake May is one of the better quarterbacks in all of college football he's the reason Jacoby Criswell is not still a Tar Heel because he knew it probably wasn't going to play at that point but that was uh it was not a good showing for the SEC this week no South Carolina well, I wouldn't say it was a bad showing but they lost a couple of games there that's well, for sure well the, the east looks I mean, one weekend we can overreact. We may come back and regret the words, but right now it's Georgia and and it's not even anybody else right now. I mean, South Carolina and Florida, uh, Tennessee's the other team. Now, Tennessee, we shouldn't leave out the conversation. They beat Virginia pretty good. So it's Georgia, Tennessee, and then not much left in the East, it appears. Yeah, uh, Tennessee, Joe Milton, he he made some great throws in that game. That November game when when Georgia heads to Knoxville is going to be probably the one that decides – the yeah. SEC East. We'll see if South Carolina can bounce back after their loss. And that game point. hadn't gained a lot of traction in the conversation because I think it went up the same time against Colorado TCU. I know it did. Mm-hmm. but So I think that, that game, and it's Virginia-Tennessee, it was played in Nashville, but uh, Tennessee looked pretty good, too. They put, what, I think it's 49-17 or something like that, but they, they, they beat Virginia pretty well. Hey, get, what about your guy, uh, Milrow, down there in Alabama, Ty? Against Middle Tennessee State? I'm just asking. I mean, we're talking about how good KJ yeah. played. We played West Carolina. The Blue Raiders... They don't have anyone on that defense. I, I'm not worried. I'm not worried okay. about the. I'm oh, not. All right. I'm, I'm not worried. Listen. I'm, I'm just asking. Are they still losing six? Uh, you've got to stop Texas? saying that. They're still losing. The they're, they're still, still losing the at six or six thirty whenever that game is when they play Texas all this right. weekend. That's the marquee game this weekend. A lot of eyes going to be on Colorado, Nebraska, in Boulder. Uh, you've got there's few other a handful of other good games, and then Colorado's got Oregon next week. So. Dion has a chance to make an. I mean, he already made an instant impact, but he's got another chance to do it this weekend and next weekend. Hey, how many athletic directors now are going to let their new coach bring in 75 new guys? Because that's what he's done. He took a lot of heat for it, but he goes out and he beats a team in his first game that played for the national championship last year. I've already read articles just in the last 24 hours that these guys need to be following the Coach Prime model. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder. I I mean, I really do. Because it's a monkey see, monkey do business. 
I really do wonder if there aren't athletic directors out there that are going to let their next coach do exactly what Dion's done at Colorado. Well, 40 sounds a lot when you it's tell talk about Arkansas, Arkansas yeah. fans when you're around that. And then, again, that's a combined of high school and transfers, but then you just brought up the 70-plus. The I, I wonder, uh, again, with what if this will be a like a, a shot in the pan or if they'll do it if they'll have some other marquee wins this year we were talking about the Pac-12 race earlier with Oregon Oregon State USC Colorado potentially I mean that could be fun that I don't think we anticipate I just assume USC was going to win that thing that's not necessarily the case that's going to be almost I mean that's basketball on grass and teams can get on runs offensive runs in the Pac-12 almost like a basketball team does. Um, My point is you could have a game where you score 50, and then you could have a game where you score 28. 28 is not going to be enough to win a lot of Pac-12 games this year. So whoever ends up, and and frankly, the best Pac-12 defense I saw over the weekend was Oregon State's, but I don't think they can compete with the other teams offensively. I'll be interested to see in these first four or five weeks as TV schedules and game times get set, how they handle Colorado. You want you want Colorado seen uh, east of the Mississippi. How many late night Pac-12 after dark games does Colorado in, and do they try to find a way to get that in a time slot where Dion is seen? Uh, you know, west or, or not, not all only west of the Rockies, but east of the Mississippi. That's a challenge well, for the Pac 12. The big noon kickoffs, Fox's big game. I mean, that's their big game. And they're going to get Colorado in that game as much as they can. Because yeah, you don't want, like you're saying, Tommy, you want people to be able to watch Two thirds of the American population still live east of the Mississippi River. It's but, like 82% no, live right. west of, or east of the Rockies. So, I mean, you're right. You got to get him in front of people. You're right, but the point is, is there's no avenue for the Pac-12 to have national ball games at night. They're not going to win that. Fox is Fox is going to, I would imagine, pin their hopes on Dion, um, and they're going to have them. I mean, Colorado. What's it? Eleven o'clock in the morning here. What would it be? Ten o'clock in the morning out there. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen. Yeah, that's going to happen. Um, they may not like it, but that's 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 the flip side to all this. And that's, they have big noon kickoff. This they'll play Nebraska at eleven on Fox, yeah, and then and I, I skipped a week. They got Colorado State the following week in Fort Col or actually in Boulder. Then they'll travel to Eugene, Oregon in week four, which what would be, be a pretty good. We won't pay attention to that Colorado State game, but they will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'll be a big game for them. So underrated rivalry. Yeah. When it comes to college football. You know, we've had a few texts about this. We were kind of talking about it during the break. Hunter, your check talked with and spoke with Dion about the job. So, I mean, there's you're hearing more about that. And, you know, he said he was impressed with him at that point. It would have been a risky hire. Colorado took the risk, and it's paying off. Was that Morris or was that Pittman? I believe that was the Pittman hire. Okay. Yeah, that, that sounds right. I couldn't remember the, the timeline yeah. on that. But I think other – I mean, there's you mentioned other athletic directors that are maybe their coaches. How many athletic directors at Saturday around 2.30 feel like they made a mistake not hiring him? <laughs> I mean, it, it, can you well, make – I don't know. Can you make a, a a brass assumption after just one game? It's like, oh, we missed on not hiring Prime. I don't know if you can do that after one game, but I guarantee well, you some ADs were second-guessing themselves on Saturday. All I know is is they had 50,000 people for their spring game. Um, I'm sure that for the first time ever, Colorado football tickets have doubled and tripled in yeah. price on StubHub. Um, I guarantee every business in Boulder is going to make more money on a football weekend this Saturday than they have in 20 years, maybe ever. And he's elevated everything there. He's elevated everything. I've got some friends that live in Denver, and they had no plans to attend any Colorado football game at any point this fall. Yeah. They're going this week. Yeah. He's They're... made it the place to be. So we haven't mentioned this just yet, but the age of 76, Jimmy Buffett died of skin cancer on Friday. I had a chance to go to three of his concerts in, in Dallas. I've seen some other Morning Rush listeners share some memories about his his songs, different times that he had over the years. I don't know if you guys consider yourselves parrot heads, but I was sad to see that news on Friday. You've talked well, about I mean, Landshark beer being a... Landshark is uh, maybe the next to come Monday in this song right here. Might be the best thing he brought to us is, is Landshark. I love that, but... Uh, Fins. You're talking about fins. Fins to the left, fins to the right. No, I'm talking about the, the beer, Landshark. Oh, the is. beer, Landshark. Yeah. I, I, mean, that, that, I, I understand. When, when Arkansas played um, 
down in the uh, Citrus Bowl um, against Wisconsin. I guess it's 06. We drove down in Lulu's. That Lulu's is his sister. That's where we discovered it for the very first time. It was Landshark uh, way back when. Been a fan ever since. But uh, I don't know anyone Heck that does business like, man. Yeah, I, I don't know anyone that's not a Jimmy Buffett fan. He may not be the a parrot head, but. You ever met anyone that doesn't like Jimmy Buffett's music? Let me tell you, boys, something. I've seen some lavish tailgates over the years in Fayetteville and Little Rock and other SEC venues. I have never seen anything like a tailgate for Jimmy. There was a uh, there's this tailgate in Dallas. A guy spent fifty thousand dollars on a pirate ship for these tailgates. Fifty grand <laughs> more, for one day. More money than cents. Yeah, I mean the, these tailgates and the, the times. It's a it's a lot of fun. Those concerts were a great time, but in Sad news over the cold, weekend. Cold following, and uh, you know, uh, I, would you just say? How would you describe his music? It wasn't country, it wasn't rock. It was just Americana. I mean, how do you really fun music? Yeah, yeah, fun just, music. Yeah, I mean, summertime fun music. Yeah. So I imagine uh, we we're talking about Lake Hamilton earlier. Wherever people are out on water today, there'll probably be a lot of Jimmy Buffett. No question. In the playlist. Yeah. So. No question. There's probably some people out this morning that are listening to us on the boat. Chuck, you probably had several people that were listening to you and Quinn and Gino on the on the boat this week. We had weekend. a lot of calls and hog reaction about, hey, I was working today, driving a truck. Yeah. I was whatever the story was. A lot of people that uh, – and I think the streaming aspect uh, really lended to a larger radio audience for Saturday because watching on streaming TV, it's, it's not the same. It's hard to do it and drive, yeah. that's for sure. And um, Saturday's a work day still for a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know. Good I mean, point. we take for granted that Saturday's game day. For a lot of us, it is. We call it work, but it's really a game day. And for a lot of people, they got real jobs on Saturday. I talk to people all the time that listen because they're working in the store. And they can't watch. They got customers. So, um, yeah, it's still viable. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.